In this Advent season, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, reminds us that God is with us. His act of coming to earth as a baby and putting on the constraints of being a human was an act of humility. In this episode, we revisit our discussion on humility, how it does not rule the day in our culture. Welcome to Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God, a production of Lion's Share, a ministry that aims to co-mission with Jesus in making disciples of all nations. We ignite and provide resources to disciple makers in the church and throughout the vocations. In our world today, there is more information available than at any time in history, but wisdom is in short supply. In this podcast, you'll hear how learning about the character and ways of God is a guide to wisdom. Hi, this is Sonia Bearson with LionShare, and I'm talking today with Dave Beering, the founder and president of LionShare. And today we're going to be talking about humility and why it is one of the ways of God. Dave, why don't you tie us back to what ways of God um, means to us and, and how humility ties into that? Sure. So the ways of God is how God goes about doing something and how he asks us to do it. So it's rooted in him. So it's his ways, but it's often expressed through our lives. And so when we talk about humility uh, and how God goes about it, it's a great one for us to look at because we usually don't pause to consider God's humility because he's awesome, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. So, you know, we don't necessarily connect those concepts with humility, but, but let me break this down a little bit and and say, here's the definition that we will use for humility. And it's one I learned as a young guy. And it's this, humility is a willingness to be known for who you really are. Think about that for a minute. And let me say it again. Humility is a willingness to be known for who you really are. And, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but it's, it's your strengths and your weaknesses. And it's learning. It's not just being comfortable in your own skin. That could be part of it for sure. But it's it's recognizing uh, that here's areas that I'm not strong in, I'm weak in, I'm stuck in in my life. Uh, but it's also recognizing that God is the source of those things that you do well. And so humility acknowledges God in that. Now, let me tie this to God. So if somebody who doesn't really know anything about the Lord picks up a Bible and maybe scans through it or takes a week or two and reads through it, they're going to see expressions like worship me, honor me, praise me, glorify me. And because they don't really know God and his character, they might just say, man, God just seems like he's an egomaniac. It's all about do this for me and worship me and all this. Well, you could look at that if you don't understand humility and view it a certain way. But let's take our definition now and apply it to God a willingness to be known for who you really are. So just kind of go there with me for a minute. Here's creation. God has created uh, the land and the forests and the, and the seas and the, the birds and the cattle and all, and all of creation. And then he creates Adam and Eve and breathes life into them. And then there's this moment, and I'm not saying it was this way, but just kind of work with me on this. There's this moment in time where God looks at all of creation, and because within man and woman, he has created this capacity of adoration, this capacity to adore, to worship, to let 
our beings inside be tied to something because of our great value for it. Adoration, worship, well, because of that, that's in you, it's in me. And God looks at all of his creation and he goes, you know what? I don't, I don't think this is, this is wise to have them be attached to worshiping that tree because one day that tree is going to fall over or it might die. And I'm not going to have them get attached to stuff that they've made with their own hands. And I don't want them to be worshiping another person because they may fail them. So as he looks at all of creation and in his own willingness to be known for who he really is, humility, he says, I'm going to have them worship me because I'm the most faithful. I'm the most enduring. I'm the one that will not let them down. And so God says, worship me. So this whole thing of humility is based on God's character, who he is, and then making a choice for us to be able to choose to worship him in that place of dependence, in the place of our weaknesses, and in the place of our strengths. I think this is so hard for us to grasp because we're trying to do it with our human minds, right? We, we, we can only understand it to the, to the extent that we understand it in our lives and the lives of people around yeah. us. And we, we don't have a lot of models of humility that we can look to and say, man, that person is doing it. Right. Um, and, and because we're not God, uh, we can't quite do it in the way that that he does in terms of, you know, the definition we're working with, a willingness to be known for who you really are. I feel like in our culture today and in the way that I've grown up and looked at that word humility, uh, it kind of looks like being a doormat. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and we know that's not the way that word should be interpreted, you teach us um, that humility is looked in the wrong way, not just in our culture today, but even in New Testament times. Yeah, that's true. And in secular writings at the time of the New Testament, uh, pagan writers, meaning just people who had no reference point to God at all, uh, they actually would look at the word humility and attach it to a word like groveling. Like it's, it's this lowest form of life and the person's just groveling and trying to survive. There, there was nothing, nothing positive about it, completely negative. Uh, as a matter of fact, in, in one place where they talk about the Nile River at its very lowest stage, that's humility. So it's, it's this, it, it has the concept of being low, but it's also very negative. It's, it's a dynamic that uh, Jesus... And people like the Apostle Paul, through their lives first, but then secondly, through their writings, they actually redefine humility for us. And for the culture, yes, but most importantly and purposely for the church, that all of a sudden now uh, the attribute of humility becomes a valuable quality. It's an important quality in some, someone's life. So Dave, let's go to scripture. Ultimately, Jesus is our model of humility, right? Yes, indeed. And I, I love uh, Philippians chapter two, verses five to 11. I just want to read that to us because this is a core passage related to humility. And here's what it says. And I like how it, it kicks off with, with Paul saying this, have this mind or this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be hung on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When I read this passage of Scripture, Sonia, there's four pieces, and I'm sure we could mine more, but there's four pieces that I want to highlight today. In verse 6, it tells us that Jesus did not grasp unto Godhood. Here, it, here he is, the creation of the world, the creation, uh, the creator of the universe, the creator of man and woman, the, the one who breathes life, and yet he's not grasping because of the mission that the Father wants to send him on. And, and the idea here is one of stooping it's a purposely going low. Language we might use today is stepping down, the way a parent would would stoop down to be able to look in the eye of their child or to play with them. And there, there's this attitude that Jesus had of stepping down from that place with the, the Father and the Holy Spirit to enter into the skin of man. An amazing thing. And that's that's part of the expression of humility. Then verse seven talks about how he emptied himself. And I don't know how else to say this, but it's he emptied himself of himself. In other words, he's coming to live in a world now where he was going to experience limitations. No longer is he just God. He's now, as the Bible teaches us, fully God and fully man at the same time. And there's a complete dependence that he has now on his father. And then verse 7 uses this word servant. He becomes a servant, again, wearing the skin of a person, and he is now living under his master's leadership or his father's leadership. He is completely subservient to him, entirely at the disposal of him, and devoted to him. A servant. He's living now for someone else. Humility. And then there's in verse 8, obedience. And it talks about his obedience being demonstrated and humility being demonstrated by his death on a cross, which culturally would have been the lowest place anyone could ever stoop socially. That this ultimate vulnerability of you dying on a cross, being accused of certain things. And, and some believe that even uh, when you were crucified, you were unclothed. And so it added a whole nother layer to the dynamic of embarrassment and shame and all that kind of thing. Well, in obedience to his father to fulfill his purposes that we might not know shame and not know condemnation and be free from the places of sin in our life. Jesus in obedience walked in humility. So these are expressions, I think, Sonia, of humility that we see in the life of Jesus there in Philippians chapter two. I think it's interesting too, we talk about how much Jesus loved children and he also you know, appreciated the way that they looked at life. Um, and and it wasn't this manipulative, you know, um, lording over uh, children or even his disciples. You know, there was a desire for childlike faith, right? Yes. And, and I think even the fact that Jesus could approach children and it, and they came to him, like it, like I know people that, you know, it's kids don't necessarily rally to them. 
but there's other people that show up and kids come running and Jesus seems to be that kind of person. And he, he was childlike. He exemplified humility and, you know, because of my own grandchildren uh, being at a young age and and think of three and four-year-olds as I talk about this, you know, these kind of qualities we just talked about with Jesus, when you look at a child, they're not focused on being exalted. They just want to be fully present. They want you to play with them. They don't have an agenda. And I think one of the things we need to recognize is, again, they're not focused on being famous or being exalted. That's not in the heart of a little child. And Jesus wasn't focused on that. A child lives in a place of dependence. They need their diapers changed. They need food prepared for them. Sometimes they're dependent on, on their safety, on their parent or an adult there. They live under another's leadership. They're yielded. They're submitted. So when dad says, hey, we need to jump in the car and go to such and such place, they just go jumping in the car. Now, they might be a little cranky that day, but ultimately, they yield to that. These are childlike qualities. And when I walk with people who I see humility demonstrated in their life, it's these kinds of things that are expressed uh, in and through their lives. I think it's interesting because in our society, sometimes there's an overvaluing of children, but there's also uh, kind of like an inconvenience factor with children. So when you say a childlike faith or or that sometimes Jesus um, related to people uh, in a childlike way, that that seems like it has a, a bit of a negative connotation, right? Being yeah. yielded by being submitted um, and and having to be dependent Again, doesn't doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound like a place I want to live in. Yes, and it's a it's an amazing thing because when you when you look at again the Philippians two portion, we have to remember at the very end the choice of humility, and that's a thing that's really important for us to realize. And I, I have had to learn this and continue to learn this in my life that God values humility. It's part of who He is. It's what we see in Jesus. We're encouraged over and over in the scriptures to live a life this way. And and yet we will often fight it. And when we learn to yield, there comes a time where God exalts. Let me just read a couple of these. Matthew 23, 12 says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And I've learned in, in my walk with the Lord, Sonia, that if I don't humble myself when given the opportunity, I'm not saying go and looking for it, but just given the opportunity, because God values this so much, he will set up circumstances for me to be humbled, not out of shame, not out of cruelty and meanness, not because he's trying to get us embarrassed. But the reality is God will tee me up to walk in humility because it's impossible to reflect the life of Jesus through my life, through your life, through any of our lives without humility being a part of it. And I think um, part of the challenge here is that we can look at these things transactionally, right? So, so you just quoted a couple of verses. Um, you know, I think of James: God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Yes. Um, if we refuse to humble ourselves, He will humble us. Um, God raises up the humble of heart at the right time. And so it's like, okay, if I'm humble, then this is what he'll do. If <laughs> yeah. I'm not humble, this is what he'll do. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's a wrong view of God, yes. uh, but it, it's transactional. And, you know, sometimes we think God can't see our heart and, and this is all about our heart. Right. 
It is. It absolutely is. And, you know, again, we can, let me just be more direct. We often have become very good at wearing masks of humility without having hearts of humility. And we need to get beyond that because again, just as you said, God sees our heart. He knows what's really in there. And God is, is not after us trying to humble us, but, but there's, it's again, I want us to see it's such a valued thing. It'd be like a parent who values a certain attribute. Let's just say it's faithfulness. And they, they over and over and over again, say it to their child, encourage their child in it, affirm their child when the child operates out of faithfulness in whatever way. It's the same thing here. God so values humility. Like think of this phrase, Sonia, they're really a proud follower of Jesus. It just it doesn't go well. It's just we we cannot be people who are followers of Jesus who walk in pride. And that's why humility is so important. It's rooted in God himself and wants to be expressed through our lives. But as we've talked about, we just need to keep getting handles on this so we can see what it looks like. Yeah, because I think saying I'm a proud follower of Jesus ends up in harshness. Yeah, uh, it, it does. It it ends up now not being in the proud way in a in a positive way, but prideful way. Yes. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time trying to define humility, but we've we've only talked about one side of it, right? Um, we've we've talked about what it is, but let's talk about what it is not. Hmm. Yeah. So humility, uh, uh, one of the ways that we can look at humility is if we say a willingness to be known for who you really are, then the opposite would be pride, which is an unwillingness to be known for who you really are. And that that is not only in an unwillingness maybe to confess sin or to share the stuck places of your life or to acknowledge, yeah, I'm the one behind the scenes that did that. I'm sorry. There's that. But there's also the side of your strengths because part of humility is recognizing this is who God has made me. He's given me these unique skill sets or these abilities. And as I function in them, like God gets glorified. God is delighted when you function in your strengths, but we can, again, think humility means I can never acknowledge it. So let's play with this, Sonia. You, um, I, I always enjoy when I'm at your home and you fix a meal, but particularly when you fix Korean and you grew up in Korea, you do this, you're a good cook. And I, and so I enjoy that. So let's just say Cheryl and I are there and at the end of the meal, I just go, Sonia, that was awesome. That was delicious. And again, you've outdone yourself and you look at me and you go, you know, I'm just, I'm not really that good of a cook. I, I just don't think I do it really well. You know, I've learned a few things a lot, but I see, we might think she's really being humble, but if in her heart, she honestly believes what she says, it's not a false humility, but she's being true to what's really inside of her and she's being honest I would be able to say, Sonia, just stop for a minute here. And I just want to encourage you. You are a great cook. The way that you made this meal, the way that you presented it, the way that you served it, the way that you took care of us through your hospitality today, I, I just I just want you to know that's really good. And, and I want you to see that about yourself. And I want you to realize that when you just acknowledge that, that God's helped you do this, you really honor the Lord. And so a, a proper response when you deal with someone in that kind of setting is if they affirm you, don't, don't bow the head to the ground and shuffle your feet and 
try to deflect, just look at the person and say, thank you. I really appreciate that. And you know, I really enjoy cooking. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. That that's, there's no bravado to it, but there's just this response that you're giving, acknowledging. And again, Sonia, this one drives me nuts when I affirm someone and then they just say, glory to God, all glory to God. And I get it. It's like, I recognize that without God, you wouldn't have this. But humility also recognizes in your own life the strengths that you have. And so therefore you steward them. They're not there for your glorification. They're there for God's. And so in humility, you steward those things that God gives you. That's a, that's a good way to look at humility. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of wiggling in my seat as you're giving this example because it's hard to receive it, right? It yes. it it I I I'm struggling a little bit as you're as you're saying it because now everyone's going to come over and expect this uh, amazing Korean meal. <laughs> or I should uh, you know play this part of the podcast for my kids because I don't feel like. I get a whole lot of affirmation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it actually reminds me of this uh, scene from Joy Luck Club where, you know, there is this um, part where the the mother spends all this time making this, you know, delicious meal. And uh, it's it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of like an Asian value to say, oh, you know, it, it wasn't very much, you know, this, I'm sure this dish just, you know, is not salty enough. You know, it's yes. it's probably not very good. And then the boyfriend of of one of the, uh, I can't remember if it was a daughter or what, but the boyfriend says, oh, that, you know, that's not a big deal. And he starts pouring soy sauce all over the dish. <laughs> and everyone looks at him horrified because she wasn't saying that it was actually salty. She was just kind of trying not to be prideful about her meal. And then right. he just destroyed it. Right. 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 Um, so I, I do think this is this is tough. And and, you know, it's not about being comfortable in your own skin. It's about acknowledging that this is the way God made you or yes. perhaps this is a time that you've spent trying to become good at something. You know, mm-hmm. you you were disciplined mm-hmm. um, and and it is a bit of a challenge because it 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 feels wrong. It feels wrong. And I think in our society right now. We define humility as being transparent and vulnerable, and I want to show my warts and all. That's that's being truly honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if we're not honest, um, and we and we constantly minimize the things that we do well, then we're not really understanding that verse in the Bible that talks about you know the body of Christ. Right? We all right. serve different functions in that body, and the hand is not more important than the foot and the, and the ear is not more important than the liver. You know, we, we all have different parts that all come together to be the body of Christ. And just because something, you know, isn't valued, uh, in, in culture, right. You're not the person that's on the stage or you're not the person who's speaking in this podcast. It doesn't mean that that is less valuable than other attributes, people might have, right? That's right. And Sonia, if I can just put my pastor hat on for a minute, because a, a part of my life over the years of my life, I have pastored. And and I got to tell you, it's way easier as a leader when I can have people walk in humility in their strengths. When I say to them, hey, we've, we've got a massive amount of people right now that are in the hospital because of X, Y, and Z. Would you be, who would be willing to to go and visit them. And when no one raises their hand, they're kind of expecting me to go, okay, I see you're gifted in this and you're gifted. You have mercy heart. And and it's much easier when someone will just raise it. I love that stuff. 
I, I love doing that. I have a mercy heart. I, I love that. You know, it's just way easier. And I think one of the reasons we often don't mobilize people in our local churches very well into their giftedness is because not it's not always the pastor's fault. It's because we don't understand this aspect of humility that it's okay to say, hey, I'm really good at this. And if there's a avenue there that I could help, just please let me know. I would love to do that. And pastors would appreciate that. And that's another expression of humility. I don't want to belabor this point too much, but but it reminds me of the first time that I I took the uh, Gallup Strength Finders test. Mm. And the the person who was teaching the class was talking about it afterwards, after we took uh, our, our little test and identified our, our top five strengths. She said, you want to know what the most common question I am asked after we take this test? And we, we said, no, well, what is it? And she said, everybody wants to know what are the five worst things that they scored on, mm-hmm. right? Because we have this thing in our, our culture of, well, I got to work on the things I'm bad at, right? Instead right. of celebrating and moving into those strengths and adding that to the team. And I thought, man, that that's true. That was my inclination is to find out, okay, what am I not good at? You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to work on those things. Yeah. Well, let, I, let's con- let's continue to get practical and talk about what does looking humble look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think I think defining these things are good, what it is and what it isn't. But how does this look? How what is the fruit of a humble life? Well, let's talk about a couple of these. You know, uh, first of all, I would say there's a there's an attitude of being teachable and correctable. In other words, it's you don't come across to people as I know it all. I'm the ultimate answer here, so there's nothing you can teach me. That 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 is that's pride being expressed versus humility. So there's a there's an expression of teachability, openness to learn, regardless of if they're older than you, younger than you, the same as you, different as you. There's there's also an openness to being corrected. That if someone says, "You know what? I I don't know that that's the best approach. I think this one is." It's you know, the person doesn't fly off the handle and they're upset, they, they can receive it. So humility acknowledges when others maybe are right and they're wrong. Uh, this is obviously something that can be exercised in our marriages. Uh, humility, sweetheart, I- I'm sorry, I-, I was wrong. You were right. Important stuff. Um, humility actively promotes other people. Now, this one can be a challenge to us, particularly in our vocations, but there are people that we know that are like gifted to us. They have similar skill sets. And, and instead of competing all the time in our attitudes of heart and our minds with them, there can be the reality that because we're secure in who we are in the Lord, knowing that the Lord will always, when we follow him with our whole heart, he'll open the right doors at the right time that we need to step into, which includes positions and titles and influence and all that stuff. But one of the things that a humble person does is when they see somebody who is like gifted, they're able to affirm them. They're able to encourage them rather than always competing with them on the inside. But let me just give you one or two other quick ones here. Um, walking in humility exudes a genuineness and honesty. They are appropriately vulnerable and transparent. That doesn't mean they always just tell everybody their stuff, but they're appropriately, or they know this is a person that's trustworthy and they can share deeply there and it's not going to go beyond the room. Um, I also feel like, and this is maybe an odd one, Sonia, but I see it in our world today is the humble know how to submit 
under God's delegated authorities. There's not this constant pushing up against. Now, when there's something that's wrong, yes, but I have found over the years that about 80 to 90% of the time when we are dealing with being upset with authority figures, it's not really over sin or injustice. It can often be because we have a different opinion. And now when those other things are there, we need to respond and there's an appropriate way to appeal to authority. But a humble life, in other words, can walk under somebody else's leadership. They don't always have to be in charge, always expressing their own opinion. And like a child, having my own way. There's a, there's a humility about that. So I think those are, those are some of the kinds of things that I think are there. And, and, you know, one last one here I'd like to add is this, where humility is, unity follows. I've always recognized that if everybody can walk in humility as individually, individually, then corporately as a body of Christ, for example, as a family, as a team, there is unity. And when, when there are people of pride in the midst of that, it really hinders the unity of a team. And so that's another place where we can see the fruit of, of humility uh, exhibited. So as we wrap up here, you know, I'm going to encourage everyone listening to us to do your own word study of humility, um, even the word humble, because there is so much scripture on this and we haven't even had time to, you know, mm-hmm. go into all of it, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, but to sum up, you know, Jesus is our model of humility. Uh, he, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I just want to end with this, Dave, humility is what the Lord requires of us. Mm-hmm. So it's not a suggestion it is something he requires of us. And, and why don't you finish us off by talking about that? Yes, I like that uh, reference to Micah 6, 9. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is something that, uh, again, God is calling us to reflect his character through humility. And I, I like what Augustine says when he says this, the secret of the Christian life is humility, humility, humility. Let's ask God to let us be people that walk not in false humility, but in true humility. Check out the episode notes that go along with today's discussion. You can find a list of scripture references and an outline of what we talked about. Go to lionshare.org slash podcast. I also want to encourage you to check out a book by Dave Beering called A Discipleship Journey, where you can dig deeper into the spiritual practice of humility. That word study I mentioned, you can find a list of every verse that references humility. This is a resource you can go through with another person or a small group, and there are teaching videos that go with it. Go to lionshare.org to purchase one. And while you're there, take a look at Dave's new book, The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. When you add it to your cart and type the promo code PODCASTBUNDLE, all caps and all one word, we'll throw in a free copy of Dave's book, The Jesus Blueprint. It's a great time of year to bless that friend, family member, or pastor with a book. Thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to visit lionshare.org. Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God is a production of Lionshare, a ministry that ignites and provides resources to disciple makers in the church and throughout the vocations. 
To learn more about what we do and how we can help you, please visit lionshare.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo.